welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to another episode of Fertility Conversations. Today, I'm joined by Keegan Crew. He's the author of the newly released book, The IVF Dad. Keegan will be sharing his fertility journey with us today and also telling us about his book and all his advocacy work. So welcome, Keegan, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here and excited to chat. Yay, <laughs> we're happy to have you here. Right. So to, to start off, we usually say, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, I, um, my wife and I live in upstate New York, and uh, I uh, grew up in upstate New York in, in the U.S. and uh, have spent uh, most of my kind of professional life working in education. I was a teacher and vice principal in elementary schools, uh, and so um, kind of uh, have always had that education background and think that's so important. So definitely kind of informed, you know, what, what led me to to want to write a book and hopefully help other people and um, yeah, and, and, you know, kind of beyond fertility things and, and other kind of life and parenting things, um, you yeah. know, my wife and I love to, uh, love to cook, spend a lot of time, uh, just cooking, nice. baking, uh, all sorts of different things. And, um, although obviously, you know, we, most people haven't been able to do it much in the last couple of years, love to travel too. So we're, we're looking yeah. forward to maybe getting some trips in and the, next couple of years as you know things start to hopefully become a little bit back to normal so yeah yes that'd be great and I love the fact that you both love to cook so that means mm-hmm. uh, a visit to yours would be great yeah that's lots right welcome anytime <laughs> lots of food to eat yeah welcome anytime we love to cook for other people too that's that's the best is cooking for other people great I love the sound of that how did you and your spouse meet so we met, uh, as with so many people in the modern world, met in uh, through online dating. We were living in ah. New York City at the time. Yep. Uh, yeah. So in New York City at the time and, you know, dating in a big city can be uh, crazy anytime. So uh, we just felt really lucky to, to connect and, and found each other. And, and, you know, it was really one of those instances where we, we met each other, went on a, couple, on a couple of dates and have never looked back, um, you know, found really quickly that we worked well together and, and had a lot of the same interests, um, and, uh, and values. And yeah, we've, we've never looked back. It's been a wonderful, um, wonderful seven or so years since then. Um, oh, even amazing. including all the difficulty with, uh, with the fertility stuff, I'm still very thankful for Olivia every day. Yeah. That sounds lovely. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you mentioned with all the difficulties and the fertility stuff. So I wonder if we could uh, hear a bit about your fertility journey as little or as much as you'd like to share. Yeah, you bet. I'll try to try to keep it relatively short. Um, give the, the kind of overview because we'll probably loop back on a lot of it. But uh, we started to try to conceive uh, almost exactly five years ago now. It's now about July 2022. And uh, it was uh, around July 2017 when we started to try to have a baby. And we um, certainly had a little bit of an idea that, you know, we, we were hopeful that it would just happen straight away. Um, but, you know, knew that there were some things that were could make it a little bit harder for us. You know, Olivia's family had some 
history of miscarriages, endometriosis, um, and we were, you know, just both in our early approaching mid thirties, you know, not that that's old by any means, but uh, we knew mm. that we just wanted to be proactive. And so um, after about six months to a year, hadn't found success yet. And so, you know, decided it was really time to be proactive. So started to get things checked out both on my end and on Olivia's end, you know, got my semen analysis. Olivia had uh, a number of testing um, done to kind of check things out at her regular OBGYN. And, and at that point, nothing really came back just with the, the regular OBGYN. And so after another couple of months uh, in which the OBGYN said, why don't you try letrozole, try timed intercourse, and we'll see if that works. Um, unfortunately, after three months, that hadn't worked either. And so um, at the same time, we said, let's go ahead and book a consult with a fertility clinic just so we can be really proactive because we knew that our goal was to, to hopefully have maybe two or even three kids, we thought at the time. So uh, let's be proactive about this and make sure that we're getting kind of the help and real testing that we need. So um, met with the fertility doctor here in our area, uh, and that was really helpful. Um, we, you know, one thing we learned, which was uh, frustrating to hear, but we were thankful, you know, for, for having gone was that, um, you know, the fertility doctor, the RE did a lot of, um, testing over, uh, on us just to kind of check things. It had been five or six months since our initial testing. And the RE told us that actually Olivia's AMH level, um, which the, the regular OBGYN had said was normal, uh, was actually a little bit low for her age. And so diagnosed, uh, us with diminished ovarian reserve, uh, and a low AMH. And so, it was helpful to have that diagnosis, but also kind of clued us into one big thing uh, about yeah. fertility struggles, which is that, um, you know, a fertility specialist is going to have a lot more detailed knowledge about, um, you know, hormone levels and, and all of the testing that's coming back that, you know, the, the regular OBGYN just wasn't looking at the AMH level in the same way. So that was good. And that basically set us off on the path of starting right away with IVF. You know, the RE said, this is going to be your best shot. I don't think, um, you know, doing any additional timed intercourse or IUIs is going to have a very high likelihood of success. So let's start with IVF if you're comfortable with it. Fortunately, we were in a very good position to have a very good uh, insurance coverage through my employer, uh, which, which of course allowed us to do all of this, um, know that that's a, a very fortunate position to be in. And so started, started right away, um, did a round of IVF, um, ended up with, with uh, three or four usable embryos, transferred a, a fresh embryo, um, which ended unfortunately in our first miscarriage um, that uh, Olivia became pregnant, but unfortunately there was really no development. It ended up as a blighted ovum. Uh, and so, so yeah, thank you. Um, and so that was the uh, first miscarriage. We regrouped after that, went back a couple of months later. Again, we'd had a couple of embryos from the first round. So we did a frozen transfer. Uh, and unfortunately that also ended in a miscarriage um, oh, at no. 12 weeks. So uh, after that, we, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. So hard, hard thing to deal with, you know, two back-to-back -back miscarriages, uh, here we felt like we were yeah. making progress. Um, but you know, the, the good, good thing in retrospect was we kind of used that time to just take a step back and did a few additional things. So did some additional testing, um, did a recurrent loss blood work, um, with the RE, which was, which was helpful. It revealed a few things that helped us. You know, one was that, um, Olivia had a potential blood clotting factor. So the RE said, you know, when we go back to, to do another transfer, we're going to add uh, a blood thinner to your daily routine, um, right. to make, to potentially help with that. Um, the other thing we did at that time, 
was took some steps to learn more about other options for family building. We met with some great adoption uh, advocacy groups in our area, um, foster advocacy groups, uh, learn more about surrogacy and sort of how that works. And that was very helpful in just letting us know that there are different paths out there um, and, and helped us kind of have the conversations we needed to have around what which of these other paths might work for us. Um, so that was that was a good time and, and got to do some travel and stuff that just helped us kind of refresh ourselves. So uh, after that, we went back and, and did a second round um, of an egg retrieval to to hopefully get some more good embryos and also sent embryos out for PGT testing at this point. Um, right. So some of the embryos from the first round, all the embryos that resulted from the second round, and we uh, came back that we had two normal embryos, uh, transferred one of those in October of 2019. And we were very fortunate that that resulted in the birth of our daughter, Eliza, in uh, July oh, of wow. 2020. Yeah. So Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, that's a, a real quick walk through the journey. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And it looks, you know, it looks so different for everybody, right? You know, it's, it's very easy to compare our journeys with other people's and there's, you know, there's no, um, there's, there, I think there's no benefit in the community and, and everybody's very lovely about this, right? That every, there's always somebody who's been through a, a much harder journey and somebody who has maybe had a couple of, of less steps along the way, but uh, we, we all kind of know um, what that difficulty is like. And so it's, uh, it's wonderful to have a really supportive community out there. Yes, it is. And it's actually, uh, I think one of the things that people usually say in the community is the fact that, of course, we want more men uh, having the conversation and joining the conversation and sharing their experiences as well, because, you know, it takes two and um, yeah. certainly we, we want to hear the male perspective as well, which is why it's so amazing to have found your account and seen all the amazing work you're doing. And of course, you know, we don't often see men sharing their experiences with infertility, even listening mm -hmm. to you sharing your fertility journey. Uh, I haven't heard a lot of that, right? Usually it's the women that speak about it and how it was. And yeah. so what made you decide to start your social media page to share, knowing that most men are not necessarily doing that? Yeah, well, I, I found such support from um, from resources, you know, like like podcasts and blogs and right. social media during our journey. It, helped me so much to hear about other people's stories. And, and as you said, it was mostly women sharing their stories, uh, which, which was, I totally understand and was really helpful for me. Um, and so I, I just thought that it would be helpful for men to kind of hear um, another guy sharing that story too. Um, because as you said, there's, there's two people involved, um, you know, in, in a couple where it's a man and a woman, there's two, there's two people involved in it. And it's a, a journey that you share together. And it's so important to be supportive. And so over, over time, I have definitely talked to many men who've been through infertility with their partners. And I would always hear the same thing, you know, they really want to be supportive, they want to be empowered, they want to feel informed, um, and like they can be there and, and be as supportive as possible. But what yeah. I found was a lot of them just kind of didn't know how to get started, didn't, didn't feel like they had a resource they could turn to or sort of a, um, something that could help them get there. And so I thought, you know, maybe I can provide something like that. And even if it reaches a handful of, of men and couples out there who it's helpful for, then I'll be, I'll be really grateful. And so, yeah, that's, that's why I decided to start it. I thought it was important to add that voice. Um, and I'm happy to, to kind of learn that there, there does seem to be a growing number uh, of men out there who are talking about their experiences too. Yes, that's definitely changing. I'm so happy to see that. Yeah. 
Uh, and I'm sure, again, many other men that might just be looking through Instagram or other social media pages are also happy to be able to see people they can connect with. Um, yeah. 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 And I certainly hope it's it's helpful for for women out there, too, because I know, you know, men may not be as likely to you know, have a, have an account on Instagram where they're, they're talking about their fertility journey, but maybe by providing some resources, it can give something where, you know, I, I hope that women will look at it too. And maybe it's something that they can share with their partner and say, Hey, look at this, you know, resource on things we could do to, to, to be supportive. Because again, I, what I've found is just men really do want to be supportive. You know, we have all these stereotypes about, uh, you know, men kind of shutting down and and not wanting to share what they're feeling and so forth. But but everything I've found in talking to men is they just kind of needed some help of knowing what to do first and how to get started and how to be supportive. And so hopefully this will help. Yeah. And as soon as you mentioned, you know, stereotypes and of course that there are many for both sexes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to ask that what are some of the stereotypes apart from the one you just spoke about in terms of men shutting down? What are some of the other stereotypes about men that can make it hard for a supportive partner doing infertility? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I think that's the, the big one is just that that men are not really encouraged to be open about their feelings, especially things like feeling shame or sadness or, or grief. And we know all those things come up during infertility. It's, it's natural. Um, and so I think that sort of stereotype that men don't share or talk about their feelings or that if men do share or talk about their feelings, it's a sign of weakness is something that can really put up walls, not only yeah. between, you know, men and, and other ways that they could get support, but between, you know, men and their partners. Um, and I think that's really something that can make, uh, infertility all harder. Uh, and we know it's so hard to begin with. So any little thing we can do to make it a, a bit easier, even though it might feel really hard to, to share about those feelings, it will make the journey a little bit easier in the end. And that's, that's all we can do is look for those things that help us feel more open, more supported, um, and make this really hard experience a little easier. So, so I think that's the big one. You know, another one that I think is really prevalent is that men are kind of encouraged to take action, to fix things, um, to always have a solution and, and be kind of action oriented. And again, we know with fertility treatment, so much of the time we just spend waiting, right? There's, there's yeah. you know, even apart from just the two week wait, if we get to, you know, having a transfer, there's waiting for, um, waiting for test results. There's waiting for, um, you know, preparation for, uh, for going into an IVF cycle. There's, there's all sorts of times where we just have to wait. There were times after our miscarriages where we just had to wait for the level of HCG and and, uh, to come down so that we could kind of pursue what we're going to do next. Um, so there's a tremendous amount of waiting during which there's not a lot we can do. And I think that feels uncomfortable for everybody, but uh, maybe a little bit more even so for men, because we are so encouraged to, to always have, you know, what's the next thing we're going to do? What's the, what's the answer? What's the action and show that can show up in different ways, right? It can be just impatience. Um, you know, for me, one way that showed up was uh, really getting kind of down the rabbit hole on Dr. Google and thinking, Hey, if mm-hmm. I, if I just, re- you know, maybe find a few more research studies or something, um, you know, I, I'd kind of find myself in that point where I have like 50 tabs open on my internet browser and I'm looking at all these different studies trying to think like, oh, maybe the next one I read will have something that's really useful for us. Um, And yeah, it was that drive to get an answer or fix things when, when what sometimes we have to do in our journey is, is just kind of 
step back and recognize this is a time when we have to wait, we have to take care of ourselves, we have to take care of our partners, um, and there's nothing we can do to to kind of change anything. Um, yeah, so there's there's definitely a lot of difficult things. So hopefully hopefully this can kind of help. Um, yeah, to start to recognize them, you know. Definitely, and that was really helpful to share to shed some light on that as well. Um, are there any tips on how men can also overcome the stereotypes? Yeah, I think the the first thing that can be really important is just kind of learning about them. Um, I think that's that's one of the things that's so difficult about stereotypes is often they're so deeply ingrained that we don't even recognize them. Uh, and so taking some time to, to recognize them can be really important. And so there are a lot of resources out there. You know, you can just Google stereotypes about men. I have kind of a whole chapter in my book about this. Um, but the first step is just kind of understanding them and thinking, how might these show up for me? Um, and what are the messages that I've heard throughout my whole life that, that maybe reinforce this that I didn't even realize were reinforcing this idea that I shouldn't share my feelings when I'm upset or something like that? And then I think from there, you can kind of move toward toward more concrete things you can do. Um, and I think, you know, part of it is just recognizing um, that a, there, there's definitely space to kind of take care of yourself during the fertility journey. Uh, I think that something, again, that's been really helpful for me is, is doing meditation. Um, I think that's something that can really be helpful um, for, for anybody, but, but definitely for men out there, because I think it can just help you kind of uh, accept whatever things you're feeling at the moment and mm -hmm. kind of understand them, work through them. Um, and then certainly figuring out other ways that, that just help you feel your best, um, whether that's, you know, making sure you're getting exercise or, uh, or whatever that happens to be can be really helpful. Um, and then I think the, the last kind of thing is just making sure that you're engaging and communicating with your partner about these things and dipping your toe in the water to some of the conversations that maybe you haven't had before about, you know, how is our fertility journey making me feel? What were the things I really looked forward to about parenthood that I'm, you know, scared of missing out on now? Um, and that can be, that can be really helpful. Um, and then, the, you know, the last thing I would just recommend is, is definitely for men, spend some time with, with podcasts, with blogs, with other information that tell people's stories with infertility, because that will help you get an understanding of just how it can play out and all the different terminology. I think that can be another kind of thing for, for anybody, certainly, and, and definitely for men of just feeling like there's so much information, there's so many acronyms, uh, and it's a lot to absorb. So spend some time listening to podcasts, reading blogs, hearing other people's stories, just so you start to get comfortable with that. And that will help you uh, be more involved because then you can be involved in conversations with your RE. You can um, be a little bit more prepared to discuss different options with your partner um, and, and just feel kind of more empowered to do that. I love those. Yes. Thank you for sharing. Uh, you know, it is great to, to be able to uh, hear some resources that people listening can uh, either listen to themselves as uh, the male or even if some another partner is listening they can offer that as options to get informed as well because again listening to podcasts can be so helpful so mm -hmm. thank you for sharing those tips and i know that you also mentioned earlier uh that the fact that oftentimes there's so much waiting and um you can't really change or fix things and that can feel so stressful and you you highlighted the importance of self-care as well during all this fertility journey so i mean for you as a man what are some ways that 
you found helpful in practice and self-care while going through your fertility journey? Yeah, definitely. And and I think it's it's going to look a little bit different for everybody. Um, one thing, as I said, I would definitely encourage people is, is, you know, think about a practice like meditation for, and that might kind of look differently, right? For some people call it meditation for others. Uh, it might be prayer or, or whatever kind of practice is meaningful for them. Um, but I think a practice like meditation, prayer, yoga, uh, things like that can just help you kind of quiet your mind and get a little bit more in touch with, um, with a, a level of just quiet and peace and, and support for yourself. Um, yeah. which I think is, uh, is not something maybe that a lot of men are, uh, inclined to do. Um, but I, th- I would really encourage just to think about that as a way to help. Um, the second thing I would, I would encourage is, um, thinking through what are some more positive messages, um, thinking back to the stereotypes, you know, how can I start to kind of flip those around and reshift my thinking so that I'm thinking in, in a different way? Uh, you know, I'm not, uh, not reinforcing those beliefs around, I, you know, it's not okay for me to share my feelings. What would something different sound like? You know, maybe it's, uh, you know, showing, showing what I'm feeling makes me stronger. Uh, yeah. Just thinking of thoughts like that and, uh, you know, what I would do sometimes is literally take a thought like that and say it to myself 10 times. And what you might notice is at first it might feel kind of uncomfortable or weird. Like this, this doesn't seem, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah. uh, which, which might be an indication that, you know, you've, you've just heard that those sort of more stereotypical messages for a long time. And what you'll hopefully notice if you kind of start reminding yourself to do that and just having those different, more positive uh, framed thoughts um, over time, they become more natural uh, and they help you. Uh, so I think that's a big one. I think for, for a lot of men, certainly physical activity can be a really good, um, yeah. way to, to practice self-care and, you know, whatever that looks like, whether it's, you know, going out for going out to play football with your friends or, or to uh, go to the gym or running or even just walking, hiking, whatever it is that can help to just kind of, again, clear your mind a little bit. Um, and I think that that can, that can be good too, but I think it's something that's so important, you know, for, for men, anybody going through fertility treatment to remember is that self-care aspect, because it can feel so all encompassing and yeah. we can put so much pressure on ourselves to always be thinking, you know, what's an additional thing I should be doing, or I need to do to help give a, a better chance at success for treatment. Um, and it's easy to forget sometimes that the most important thing we can do is just give ourselves a little, you know, time, time and space to relax and enjoy. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Keegan. Very helpful. And in looking back uh, at the beginning of your journey, are there some things that you wish you knew uh, that were important, like some important things that you wish you knew at the beginning of your fertility journey? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the first thing I think is just knowing that we weren't alone. Uh, you know, I think it's so, once you kind of get into the community and, and learn more, everybody learns, you know, the one in eight statistic and you, you start to connect with all these people who are going through the same thing. But, but that's really the first thing is, you know, just understanding that you're not alone in this journey. Many other people have gone through it. Um, many other people are going through it right now. And so, so that's really important. I, I think coming with that understanding can, can help it feel much less of a lonely battle. So I think that's the first thing. Um, you know, the second thing is, is I really, uh, want to make sure that, that men out there hear and understand it's so important that 
we get ourselves tested as well. Um, you know, any, um, any RE certainly should probably be encouraging men to get a semen analysis, but, uh, you know, the, the latest statistics suggest that anywhere from 40 to 50% of infertility cases, uh, may have some degree of male factor contributing to it. So, uh, it's really important. I, I just think it's so important for every man out there to know it's really important to get your semen analysis as well, to make sure that, um, you know, just to check up and see what is, how are things looking with the swimmers? Um, because, uh, if, if you know about those things, then it's something that you can potentially talk to your doctor about ways to, to help if you have low sperm, even if you have no sperm, um, you know, there, there are tremendous advancements now that, that could provide an option, um, to, to still be able to potentially, uh, you know, address that in some way. So I think it's really important for men to know it's that you, uh, really have to get that testing. Um, it's, it's one of sort of the least thing we can do to make sure that we have all the information needed to, uh, go forward. And then the, the third thing I would say, just in terms of things I really wish I knew at the beginning is as hard as it is to reach out and share our story as, as scary as that can feel, um, what you find on the other end of it is just people who are, um, really looking to connect and share their stories and support you. Um, it can feel so, so, so scary that first time that you tell somebody, um, a family, a friend, whoever it is that you're struggling with infertility. Um, but what we always found every time that we shared was very quickly, you know, either they'd share a story themselves of, of what they've been through or say, you know, Hey, I, I know this person who went through this. I know that person who went through this. Um, and it can provide such a, a meaningful opportunity to connect with other people. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, as scary as it can feel, I, I say it's such an important step to just, even if it's one person, just reach out and let one person know what you're going through, because that's going to make that, uh, feel just so much more manageable to you. And, and like you have a support team. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think we don't realize how many people are actually dealing with fertility issues or delays. Yeah. Fertility. Yeah. There's, there's a whole lot of people. And like you said, it just takes you you know, talking to somebody or sharing and then you realize that it's either them or someone they know has been through something similar. And that just really yeah. helps. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. You know, at, at one point in our journey, we um, had a, an article in our local newspaper kind of about our, our fertility issues and our journey and where we were at. And um, it was really scary to, to put that out. But, you know, the day the article came out, we were walking down the street uh, in our, in our town and uh, a neighbor stopped us and said, Hey, I, I really just appreciated that article. You know, my wife and I went through infertility 20 years ago and it kind of brought all of that back and, um, was wow. just helpful to hear of somebody else who's going through it. And so, you know, that was the first person we saw. And then so many more, uh, we had, you know, messages from people reaching out other people we've met on the street who, who've told us about their journey. And, you know, it, it, it does just make, your own kind of struggle a little bit easier when you know that there are other people out there who have been there, um, have, you know, kind of resolved in one way or another, um, yeah. and, and people out there who are also just rooting and supporting you. Definitely. It is so helpful. It makes such a big difference. Yeah, it really does. And of course, I think one of the other uh, stereotypes or you know, issues that come up sometimes with men speaking about people that might be in a relationship with her as one as a man and woman together uh, and they say things like well it's hard to get him to open up 
uh, you know, or talk about it because some people don't necessarily want to actually speak about it. And then the partner is wondering mm -hmm. how to do that. So can you share some tips in, you know, from your experience uh, in getting men to open up about their feelings while going through fertility journey? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the first thing I would recommend kind of going back to the, the try some physical activity, think about maybe having a conversation over going for a hike or, or walk or, or run or something else, some kind of physical outdoor activity, because I think that feels a little bit more natural uh, for men. Um, and so making it kind of a less formal type of thing can, can make it feel a little bit easier for men to open up. So, so that's kind of the first thing I think, you know, how can you use going for a hike or even maybe for a drive, you know, you could, right. you could drive or something like that and just kind of do something that feels less formal. Um, so we shouldn't say, we shouldn't say, Hey, we need to talk. Yeah, no. right. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, that feels, and you know, it's, I always say it's an opportunity for men to learn maybe from their partners because, you know, certainly I feel this way about Olivia. She's great at, you know, just connecting and, and having those conversations with her friends. And I'd always kind of look and say, like, this is something that, that I think is just comes more naturally to women. And maybe again, that goes back to the stereotypes, but yeah, you're right. Sitting, sitting down and saying, we need to talk. Definitely not the way to approach it. That'll be like, the, the guy's going to be like danger, danger. Not um, so yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And I think just, you know, this, that kind of leads to another tip, which can be don't make it all about the fears. Um, you may want to start with with some with kind of just reminding yourselves why you are trying to have kids in the first place. Like, you know, as as hard as it can feel during an infertility struggle to talk about the good things and, and the things you look forward to, um, it can kind of kind of be good to maybe just start by saying, what are the things you really look forward to about having kids? You know, why? What did you look forward to about being parents? Um, because I think that uh, it can remind you why you're going through all of those really hard things. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that can be helpful. And then, yeah, that you, you nailed the last tip I was going to give, which was just try to think how to make it informal. You know, it can even be something where you're like kind of mindlessly watching a, a show that you can zone out to or something and, and then kind of have the conversation there versus yeah. Like a formal sit down of like, we need to talk. Um, because you know, for, for better or worse, probably not gonna probably not gonna work out so well. Um, so so hopefully those things will help. And and I think again, it can be so helpful for men of just kind of getting the. Hopefully they can observe and and understand modeling. Like I, again, I was very lucky to have Olivia, who's very good about sharing her feelings openly. And so I learned over time just by listening to her. Um, yeah. And so hopefully other men can kind of do that too. Thank you for sharing that. This is a really helpful. I think that uh, we're definitely listening and uh, getting the tips on how to make our men open up and have those conversations because it's not so easy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think with that too, it's, you know, maybe it's just sometimes you have to plant the seeds with men. Um, again, you know, you may not be able to jump right into something, but maybe you have a couple you know, posts from Instagram or stories you saw on Instagram or something or, or a podcast or something that you listened to that was really helpful. Um, you know, don't, don't beat him over the head with it. Right. But kind of plant those <laughs> seeds over time and say like, Hey, I saw this post. Like, why don't you take a quick look? Hey, I listened to this podcast. Maybe you could listen to it on the way to work tomorrow and um, you know, plant those seeds. And, and then over time, that'll kind of allow more naturally kind of engaging in the conversations. Um, right. 
and then maybe that'll work too. Thank you, love it. And of course, you know, we're talking about, you know, women wanting to get their men to open up. Uh, and of course, there's also sometimes issues or women also complaining that, you know, maybe conversations or things their partners did to try to be helpful, but wasn't actually helpful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from your experience, what are some of the things that men might think they're doing and there's might think that are being, you know, being supportive to their partners while going through the fertility journey, but not actually helpful? I don't know if your wife ever said yeah. anything to you or anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, one real stupid thing I did was, uh, I, again, at, at one point when I kind of had those like 50, um, tabs open on my internet browser and was doing research, I, I got on a real tangent one day about, you know, looking into gluten-free diets and how that could maybe, <laughs> maybe help with infertility. And so <clears throat> I went down a real rabbit hole and, you know, spend spent a day kind of looking at different studies and reading different blogs and things and and of course you know you see those stories of like i went gluten-free and then had a baby and so it got me in this crazy mindset and then you know uh on on my way home that night i was stopping at the grocery store getting gluten-free pasta and cookies and and all this (laughs) stuff and um you know i kind of i recount this story in the book but uh when olivia came in and and saw this you know array of gluten-free stuff in our kitchen um she gave me quite a look uh, it was not a happy look. <laughs> uh, and and I, I think I started like crazily babbling at her being like, listen, to all these things I read. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. she, and she felt upset uh, because I, I had kind of gone and done this thing without really discussing with her, without asking and, and without even thinking, you know, we eat a pretty healthy diet to begin with. We're not, you know, throwing a bunch of gluten down our throats. And so, um, yeah, she was, she was justifiably a little upset when I did that. Uh, and so, you know, the, the lesson I learned from that is again, kind of going back to the men can get overexcited. I think sometimes when it's like, I have this thing and I can, now I can take action. Now I can fix, now, yeah. I, can, now I can go. And so that was definitely what I did. And that was, that was, you know, pretty dumb. And I learned from that. And, and then, you know, the next night she came home and I think I had like a big pot of regular, regular old <laughs> pasta boiling away. And she was like, that better not be gluten-free. And I was like, don't worry. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So there's That's that. Funny. But yeah. So, so I think there's little things like that, but then, you know, the other big thing is because, because men aren't uh, as comfortable with, with sharing their feelings. I think that, um, you know, sometimes when your partner is, is feeling down or is feeling shame or sadness or something, our default response can be, you know, oh, it's okay. Like, I'm sure, you know, this next round is going to work. I have have a good feeling. It's all going to be okay. And, um, while it can feel good in the moment, uh, to, to say that, or we can feel like, you know, we're, we're being helpful, how that can come off to the other person is, uh, to your partner is, you know, I'm, I'm not really validating your feelings. I'm not actually hearing them. I'm just saying, you know, don't have all these bad feelings, it's not okay to have those bad feelings. Just feel okay. Just feel positive. And that, that can really just not be helpful. Um, because you know, her, her feelings are real. Just like when, you know, men are feeling upset about something, anybody, you know, those feelings are still there just saying, feel better. It's going to, you know, be fine. The next treatment round or whatever is going to work. Well, number one, we can't guarantee that. Um, unfortunately there's no guarantees in fertility treatment. And number two, you've said those good things, but then what you've kind of maybe been uh, 
maybe also been saying is like, I'm, I'm not ready to listen and hear uh, and just kind of be there to support you when you are feeling upset, um, which is, which is not the message we want to send. So I would, um, you know, in, encourage men to just think through, and, and I have a couple of kind of phrases you can use in the book, because I think these are, um, and, and the phrase is basically something like, I hear you, I'm really sorry you're upset. I'm, I'm here for you and I love you. Uh, that is like a, a, a phrase that men can kind of just like hear and use over and over again, because it's definitely not most people's first response when somebody you love, you know, is sharing or, or you can tell that they're feeling upset. Um, yeah. But I think that's so important is, is not to just kind of cover over things with positivity because it is really hard. Infertility treatment's really hard and there's no guarantees. And so you want to make sure that your partner knows you're there um, to hear their really difficult feelings, to be there with them. Um, and, and hopefully that then helps you share those feelings too. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was great. I was just yeah. like nutting. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get my husband yeah. to yeah, my husband's going to listen to this. Yeah. Yeah, go <laughs> yeah. ahead. Yeah. And, no, I was just going to say, and, and you know, uh, avoid the gluten free section until you've chatted yeah. with your partner. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I could see how that. I was like, what? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Hey, not saying it can't be helpful for some people, but uh, have a chat first, please. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. Those are really amazing. <laughs> Now you've shared so much today, Keegan, and it's really, really appreciated. But I want to speak a bit about your book. Uh, yeah. Newly released. Congratulations. Amazing. Yeah, well done. Uh, the Ivy of Dad. So what was the inspiration behind that? Yeah, you know, I, I totally, when I started writing a year ago, I didn't uh, really think that it was going to become a book. But like I said, I, I have had so many conversations with men who just want to be supported and formed but didn't kind of know where to start. And so as I continued to write um, about our story and about all the information that I have learned over these last five years, uh, I started to kind of realize, and as I showed some of the writing to Olivia and other people, um, they said, you know, this could be a really good kind of all-in-one resource to help share our story, which again, I think stories are the most, most effective way that we can teach other people um, to share some, some really uh, clear information about the fertility treatment process and to also really help men and couples understand that kind of mental health and wellness piece of how can we support ourselves and each other during a really difficult time of infertility treatment. So um, as, I, as I just continued to write, it, it became clear that this could be a really useful um, resource. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was just a, really a work that helped me, I think, kind of process everything we've, we've been through, which was great. Um, but as I showed and kind of shared it with more people, it, it just became something that I felt really was, could be really important for some, some folks out there who are going through what we know is such a hard time. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to share it. Um, honestly, if, if, you know, it, it reaches out and helps one person, one, one kind of couple get through this difficult journey uh, with a little bit more ease, it will totally all be worth it um, because it's, uh, I've learned a lot over the last five years about myself, about um, being a supportive partner. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that maybe it can help a few other people out there. Oh, I'm sure it will help a whole lot of people. And it's really, really excited about reading your book. You can't wait. Yeah. It's just amazing to, to just have hear from the male perspective. Like we all can, you know, learn a lot from that. Just yeah, hearing what it feels like, right? Because 
there's a whole lot of people, uh, a lot of men that have gone through fertility journeys and you know different situations. But oftentimes, again, like we spoke in the beginning, we don't necessarily hear that part or we don't even see the social media accounts. So to have a book, you know, talking about your experience, it's, it's amazing because I'm sure many men and women can connect with those, many of the um, information and stories that you'll share as well, which is... Yeah, I, I sure hope so. Um, and yeah, I, I hope that, definitely hope that women will read it too. You know, it might be something that, again, could be a resource that you could get to share with your partner. And, and yeah. I hope the couples will read it together too. I, I think it can be um, hoping a bridging the gap moment if you're feeling that, um, you know, there's there's just opportunities to connect more around your journey and figuring out how to navigate it together as best you can. Um, I'm hoping it can spark some conversations. You know, I, I tried to include as much practical information in there as possible of things like, you know, those phrases men can use to, to yeah. actually be there and be supportive. Um, lots of examples, you know, the the gluten stories in there, but there's lots of other examples of <laughs> some kind of stupid things that men might do <laughs> inadvertently. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it will just be a, a support for couples out there. Yes, I'm sure it will. And how can people purchase your book? Yeah, they can get the, the book on Amazon. Uh, you can get it in soft cover. You can get an ebook version. Um, and you can also find links at my website, which is the ivfdad.com. Perfect. Looking forward to reading for sure. Yeah. Uh, and for anyone listening, you know, listen to all the amazing tips and stories and, you know, just sharing your journey and wanting to connect with you. What's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at the IVF dad. Uh, you can hit to my website, the IVF There's uh, information there about how to reach out um, and would, would love to hear from folks via email too. It's the IVF dad at gmail.com. So basically just remember the IVF dad and you'll find yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put all your details as well in the show notes. So yeah, thanks. That'll be perfect. Um, are there any quotes or words of affirmation that you found helpful that you'd like to share? Yeah, you know, I, I think I, I've actually, I've seen a lot of uh, chatter on the sort of infertility social media community lately around just thinking about the ways that we uh, kind of talk to ourselves and the things that we're thinking and saying to ourselves throughout the day and really yeah. thinking, are we saying things that are as, you know, kind and supportive as what we'd say to our best friend? Um, and I think for most of us, the answer is no, right? We're our own harshest critic and, and we're often kind of caught in what's the next thing I need to do. Um, and so the, the quotes and words of affirmation that I found helpful were, were those types of reminders where I would kind of stop and think, what's, what do I need to tell myself that is actually being supportive um, right now? And so it would lead to things, you know, if I was very worried about, uh, if I was in one of those modes where I was down the Dr. Google rabbit hole and looking at, you know, 50 <laughs> tabs of information, I could stop and, and say an affirmation, something like, um, you know, we are doing our best. We've got a great medical team who's there to support us in, in our hopes of having a baby. And really just stopping and saying that type of affirmation a few times would help stop that, you know, worry and stress of, you know, maybe I need to look at more uh, research or things like that. And so um, that's just a good um, piece of advice that I think is so kind of transferable and helpful at all stages of the journey is just to kind of stop and say, hey, am I thinking things or, or kind of saying things to myself in my inner monologue that are what I would say to a friend I really love and care about or to my partner or whoever, you know, inspires that level of care. Um, 
And I think a lot of times we'll probably find, no, like we're being really harsh yeah. on ourselves and we can be easier on ourselves. So, yeah. Definitely. And we need to be easier because there's so much and we're, and we're doing great. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a lot. We are honestly, sometimes during the infertility journey, just like putting one foot out of bed in the morning. is, is a yeah. free, right? <laughs> um, That's enough like, sometimes. Yeah. Just like heating up a, you know, something in the microwave and getting food in our mouths can be a small victory. So yeah, you'd be easy on yourselves, folks, because it is a it's a hard journey, and we don't need to make it any harder than it is. No, not at all, not at all. And, and I and I love the fact that you also highlighted that we're usually so much nicer and kinder to our best friends and you know other people, so we can we can give some of that to ourselves too. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. And, and you know, one thing I one thing I um, forgot to mention with the book that I just wanted to make sure everybody knows is. Um, you know, as, as everybody's aware, the cost of fertility treatment is a big, um, is a big challenge for many couples out there. Uh, yeah. And so one thing I wanted to make sure everybody knows is that uh, a third of all the proceeds from the book are, will be donated to the Stork Foundation, which is a foundation that makes grants to couples to help defray the cost of fertility treatments. Um, and I just thought that was a really important thing to, uh, to do as part of this book. You know, it's, it's something that I really just wanted to help as many people as possible. And so I'm really excited uh, and hopeful that, um, you know, we'll be able to, to make that donation to the Stork Foundation and, and help another couple out there um, because, you know, there are so many, um, you know, and especially in parts of the world like the States and, and uh, certainly I know the UK, Canada, um, depending on where you're at and, and insurance and so forth, it can be really, uh, really challenging to afford treatment. Um, and so- It I'm is. The book can help in some small way to make that charitable donation to the Stork Foundation. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that's really amazing. And thank you for doing that. That's really, really such a thoughtful and generous uh, idea. Thank you so much for doing that because really it is expensive globally. It doesn't matter where you live. Yeah. And many people don't have access to insurance. So uh, having any form of support or foundation that supports them is just incredible. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And if you, if you could go back in time to 21-year-old Keegan, mm-hmm. what, would you, what would you tell him, knowing all you know now? Yeah, well, there's, there's a long list of things I could tell 21-year-old <laughs> Keegan. <laughs> um, but, you know, the top of the list, honestly, would be just what we were talking about, about kind of quotes and words of affirmation. Would I think that I, I learned that part about thinking about, you know, am I actually being kind and supportive to myself? I think I learned most of that in the last five years of this infertility journey. And it is the most valuable lesson I've ever learned in my life. And so I would, I would definitely, you know, go and get 21 year old Keegan and, uh, you know, probably wrestle him out of bed at, you know, 10 or 11, uh, in the morning, you know, since he'd, he'd still be sleeping in back then, um, <laughs> and say, um, just, just think about the way you're thinking about yourself, uh, and, and think every day, you know, am I being kind to myself? Am I, um, being supportive to myself? Because I think it's, you know, it's a fine line to walk. It's, I think it's a good thing also to have high expectations for ourselves. Um, but it's, it can quickly, um, you know, cross the line into being way too self-critical. And I definitely think that's something that was a really important lesson for me. So I'd say, you know, ease up on yourself, be, be a little bit more chill about things. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's just the most important lesson I could learn. Lovely. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. And as a wrap up, Keegan, 
are there any words of advice for anyone listening who is currently on the fertility journey? Yeah, definitely. Um, the, the two top things I try to say over and over again, you know, the first one, you're not alone. Um, you know, if you're somebody who's, who's early in your journey and feeling, um, feeling like it's just really tough and, and isolating, um, we've all been there. Um, but know that there's so many people out there who, uh, who are in the community. So, so, um, you know, you're not alone. There's, there's a lot of people out there who've been through it. And then the second thing is, um, you know, just to, to take that step and share your story and find connection, um, no matter where you're at in your story, as, as scary as that can feel, again, uh, every time that we have taken a step to reach out to somebody and share our story, share what we've been through, the result has been just getting more connection, more love, more support from people. Um, and so, again, know that can feel really scary to people, but just start with one person, you know, a friend, a family member, um, tell them what you're going through. And I, I, promise what you'll find is connection support um, and it will make your journey feel a little bit easier. And that's, that's what I'm all for is trying to make this really tough path just a little bit easier. Thank you for sharing Keegan. It really has been amazing having you on here today. Like I have learned so much and I know that all the people listening as well have learned so much. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for choosing to write the IVF that book which we all can't wait. I can't wait to read mine as well. Uh, thank you for choosing to share that because again, it is so important to hear the stories. It's so important to hear the male perspective as well. It's so important for people to know that they're not alone and to be able to listen or read up on other people's stories and see what uh, perhaps they might learn or what they might opt to choose or do based on what they've uh, read or just letting them have that comforting feeling that they're not alone and there's other people who's walked that path or who are currently walking that path with them. So thank you for all yeah. your advocacy work and everything that you're doing and for coming on the show today. It really has been a pleasure having you on here. Yeah, it's totally been my pleasure and an honor to be here. I appreciate it so much. And thank you for everything you do. You know, you're reaching people around the world. You're sharing such important information and, uh, and you're definitely making people's journey easier too. So uh, thank you for everything you do. Thank you so much, Keen, and we look forward to having you again in the near future. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.